0: following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. We are um, in, in a, the middle of kind of a theme, a focus. We came out of a time where we were making the declaration and, and sort of um, looking at what it means to say, Your kingdom come. You know, what does it mean when we're saying that? What is actually going to come? And how does that happen? And that kind of led us into where we're at right now, where we're focusing on being filled uh, because the kingdom comes through the filling and the release of the Holy Spirit. And so we kicked that off on Pentecost Sunday um, just as part of the celebration with the rest of the body of Christ when we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit and really the birth of the church. It's, it's why we celebrate it. It's, you know, we know that um, you know, our calendar is different than that calendar, and so that was not, it doesn't fall on a Sunday every time, but we celebrate and we mark that moment of Pentecost Sunday, and I think it's an important thing to recognize that we celebrate it not just because of what it meant for them, but what it means for us now. Like not only was it the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost, but it released what now sustains the life of the church. And so we celebrate that knowing that it's not just because it was something fun and exciting for them, but it's something that sustains us as the body of Christ, and allows us to truly pray, let your kingdom come, because it's through the Holy Spirit that that happens. And so we've been talking about how the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the filling of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time event. It's an ongoing filling and saturating with the Holy Spirit. A um, couple months ago, Pastor Bob preached a word, and he brought some little dry sponges. How many of you have your dry sponge? Is it dry? Yeah, probably. Um, but, but it was a good example of the fact that we need to continually be filled. We need to continually put ourselves in the atmosphere environment of the Holy Spirit to allow ourselves to be saturated. And so we've been talking about this concept of kind of having a perpetual... Pentecost, that we want to stay in this place of knowing we aren't waiting in the same way that they were waiting, but we do need to come and be filled. We do need to come and allow him to saturate us again. And so one of the things I like also about celebrating Pentecost, I like any of the moments when we can be unified with the rest of the body of Christ, that there are churches all over the world in all denominations, that were celebrating the coming of the Holy Spirit. And there was something precious about that to me, that we can do that together. It's a unifying belief of the body of Christ. And so um, we know that in the creed, the Nicene Creed, it talks about the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, and who is spoken through the prophets. So one of the key things in here is this declaration that says not that he gave life, but that he is the perpetual giver of life, that he is perpetually bringing life to the body of Christ. He is perpetually the life flow in the body of Christ and in our own spirits, in our own bodies. And so we want to recognize that. We want to recognize that we don't just get filled up that one time and then we're good to go, but that we continue to have the life of the Holy Spirit living through us. As we look for the kind of... We can have this place where we're looking for the next move of the Holy Spirit. We need to recognize He is moving in the same way He has always been moving. And that is to fill the people of God and release them into the mission of bringing his kingdom on earth. And so he is active. I think a lot of times when we're asking for God for the next move of the Holy Spirit, really what we are doing is saying we will allow ourselves to be filled with that which is what has already been given. And there is a place where where we can expect a greater outpouring, not because he's been withholding and he's had the valve turned off a little bit and he's just going to be a little more generous with us in the spirit. Yeah. I mean, really, I, I think this way sometimes. Like, would you just open the valve? It's open. But he, he comes in a unique way or in more powerful ways at different times in, of history, more because of our posture than his permission, more because of how we set ourselves to be filled than because he goes, oh, yeah, it looks like they need a little more help. And so we want to position ourselves in that same place of of waiting for the fullness of the promise of the Father. We want to position ourselves in that place of being filled. We've been positioning ourselves in a way of being emptied of everything else so we can be more filled with him. How many of you know that if you have a sponge and it's already soaked up, I don't know, give me a liquid. It's already soaked up a bunch of coffee. Sponges soak up coffee at our house. It's hard to, it's already filled with something. This is not picking on coffee, I just picked a liquid, okay? It's already filled with something, and so it's difficult to then be saturated by something else until I squeeze it out. Let it get empty, and then it can be filled. And so I feel like this is the season that we've been in of of getting a little wrung out. How many of you feel a little wrung out? I feel a little wrung out. How many of you are kind of concerned about what's coming out of you as you get wrung out? Like, oh, what is that? How did that get in there? Right? But we're getting wrung out so we can have the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so we're positioning ourselves for that. The other thing I want to do is just touch briefly, because that's actually not my gifting, briefly, anything, but I'm going to touch really briefly, on the what we're talking about when we talk about the coming or the filling of the Holy Spirit. Because I think, again, we can get ourselves into an old mindset or we can get ourselves into, let's say, even... Um, our original mindset of the Holy Spirit, which may not be wrong, but there's something more he wants us to understand. There's always more. He's always revealing more of what that means. And so I just want to cover, just really quick, with clarity, that the Holy Spirit is not a force or an element, like wind, water, fire, earth. It's not a force or an element, Actually, it's not an it at all. And sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I'm not sure how the got put in front of Holy Spirit. The word says that. But the Holy Spirit, kind of like we say the Ukraine, I'm not sure why, I don't know how that happened. But anyway, so the Holy Spirit is not a force that just kind of, woohoo The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. So when when I am in worship, the feeling that I might have, as I often have in worship lately, that feeling is not the Holy Spirit. It is the effect of the Holy Spirit. It is my response to the Holy Spirit. Do you know what that means? It means that you can not be crying and still have the Holy Spirit because the emotion is not the Holy Spirit. It's just how I respond to the Holy Spirit. Now, there are times, I'd encourage you, if you've never given the Holy Spirit permission to overwhelm you, I'd encourage you to give him permission. There are these places where I feel the encounter of the presence of the Lord through the Holy Spirit. I feel his nearness, and he begins to pour truth into me. And he begins to speak things. And he begins to show me things. And I have made a decision that I will lean into that every time. (laughs) I will yield to that every time. Because I don't want to miss anything that he wants to give me in that. But it's not about the emotion. It's about encountering the Spirit of God through the person of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. Again, sometimes because Scripture calls him the Spirit of God, it's like we look at it like he's like the wind that just kind of wafts by as God walks through or something. But the Holy Spirit is God as much as Jesus is God, as much as the Father is God. This is a revelation he's been opening to me. It's not that I didn't know it, but I don't know how much I really truly believed it. I probably began to think of the Holy Spirit as the effect of God, but he is God along with the Father and the Son. He is an equal part of the Trinity. Worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our worship in the same way that Jesus is or the Father is. What's interesting about him though is he always points to Jesus and the Father. He glorifies the Son and he reveals the Father. We can't separate the three. I think sometimes because we, our finite minds have trouble understanding this concept of three-in-one, it is, it is hard to understand, because it's kind of beyond us. It was born in the, in the mind of God. <laughs> it's carried in who he is. And so we may not fully understand it, but our kind of finite minds tend to segment the, the trinity, and we go, the Father does this, the Son does this, the Spirit does this. The Father is the creator, the Son is the redeemer, the Spirit is the renewer and it feels very tidy. How many of you like a good spreadsheet? (laughs) I love a good spreadsheet. I love a good spreadsheet where all the things have a place where they belong, and they're segmented, and they know what column they go in. And they can interact with each other as long as they stay in their column, in their cell. (laughs) We do that sometimes with the concept of the Trinity. We do that when we say, "Okay." now I'm, this is Holy Spirit, and this is what Holy Spirit does, and, and this is Jesus, and this is what Jesus did, and this is Father. And while there's some truth to that, while the Word even talks about the kind of unique ways that the Godhead is revealed through these individual aspects of God, they really can't be separated. You cannot divide up the actions of the Godhead Because where one is active, they all are active. When Jesus was on the earth, Father and Holy Spirit were active in what Jesus was doing. When the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, Father and Jesus were active in that. And so we want to be careful that when we talk about Holy Spirit, we don't separate or segment We can't divide the actions of the Trinity. Sometimes we think of Father as creator, who, but who was also involved in creation. The Son, in the beginning, was the Word. And then it goes on to say, and all things were made through him and by him. Speaking of Jesus, the Son, who else was active in creation. The Spirit that hovered over the waters that proceeded from the mouth of God when he said, let there be. And so we can't separate them. We can't separate them in that respect. When I'm praying or worshiping and I'm experiencing the presence of Jesus, or, or is it the Holy Spirit? Am I experiencing Jesus or the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That he comes and he, he helps me to to be able to experience the presence of Jesus and reveal the Father. We encounter Jesus through the Holy Spirit. We experience the love of the Father through Holy Spirit. And so we can't separate them. We can't separate what Holy Spirit does in our lives from the nature of the Father, just like we couldn't separate the act and the character of Jesus from the nature of the Father. Remember when we've talked about who Jesus was is we would talk about the fact that he was the perfect representation of the character and the nature of the father. And the same is true with the Holy Spirit that he comes to represent to to bring the promise of the father. And that's what I want to focus on today. It just so happens that it's also Father's Day, which is so helpful. It makes you feel like you're, you know, doing your job. Cuz we do want to honor him as father. And we want to bless fathers today. So I want us to focus on that reality of what happened at Pentecost and what continues to be available to us. So let's read. I think we've read it a couple of times already, but we're going to read it again. How many of you have ever read the same scripture more than once? Good. So in Acts 1... This is when Jesus had been raised but he hadn't yet ascended. And it says gathering them together he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait for what the prom, prom- but to wait for what the father had promised which he said you heard of from me. So all throughout kind of the chapters 13 through 17ish of John Jesus was talking to the disciples about the Holy Spirit, among other things. But in reality, everything he was talking to them about in that time, about how they should love one another, how they should be in unity, how they should abide. Yeah, I'm the vine and you're the branches. All of those things, if you read those chapters, all of those things could only come by the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so all the instructions he was giving all hinged on the arrival of the Holy Spirit. So he says, Don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for what the Father has promised, which you have heard of me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then they go on. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom of Israel? So he goes, Listen, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And they go, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is this when you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? How many of us talk with God like that sometimes? (laughs) I have a promise I want to give you. Yeah, but what about this? And so they're saying, okay, is it this time? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the world. And after that, he was lifted up while they were looking on. So he says, it's not for you to know, but what I do want you to know is that you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon you. That's the promise of the Father. And you'll be my witnesses. And then he goes, and that's all I have to say about that. And he ascends. And so in Luke, it, it repeats kind of that same thing. I'm sending forth the promise of the Father upon you. I feel like, or I'm, yeah, in Luke, he says it's the same author. So he's kind of repeating the same thing in these two different books. I'm sending forth the promise of the Father upon you, but you're to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And so what I want to talk about is this concept of wait for the promise of the Father. That was their instructions, after the place in Luke where he says, I'm going to send you the promise of the Father, and then he ascended, it says they went into the city with great joy. Why? Because they believed him. They believed him that the promise of the Father was coming. They had expectation. What I find interesting here, though, is that that word for wait in Acts uh, verse chapter 1, verse for that word for wait is only used one time in the New Testament. That word for wait, there's other times in the New Testament that an English word wait is translated, but it's a different Greek word. That word for wait is only used one time, and it's at that time where he says wait for the promise of the Father, wait for the Holy Spirit. What I felt like was revealed as I was studying that this week was that we are... Uh, we are not waiting in the same way they were waiting. We are never again waiting like they are waiting. That there was something that happened at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came that split time from before the promise of the Father and after the promise of the Father. We are never again waiting the same way that they were. And yet... It does tell us in Scripture to continually be filled. It occasionally tells us to wait, using the same English word. This is why, well, never mind. Thank you, Lord, for English. But it's so much fun to dive into it, because it doesn't necessarily change it, it just makes it more amazing. That every other place after that where it says to wait, it means to eagerly await with expectation. It means to look forward at what is to come with no thought to what has been. These unique words for wait. But never again does it mean wait as if something has not yet come and we're not, you know, we're still waiting to see if it comes. And that's exciting to me. We aren't waiting in the same way. But we still do wait on the Lord with full expectation that the Holy Spirit is right there. Amen. I do want, us, uh, want to encourage us, as it relates to even the purposes of God in our life, they knew that they had a purpose. He said, I'm going to make you witnesses, but wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, because that will endow you with the power that you need to step into it. I believe that there is a waiting like like we can sometimes go off half cocked a little bit. That we can get a, a vision or a view of something that we want to see. But it's okay to wait and be filled to then be released into the thing that the Lord wants to release us into. I have to wait on the Lord every morning for the filling of his spirit. It comes pretty quickly especially the more practice I get, I probably need to wait again about 9 a.m. And then probably again at about 10.32. But there's this perpetual filling of the Holy Spirit that never again is waiting like this. We live on the other side of that wait. How amazing is that? The promise of the Father has come and is available to us. One of the things I think is also really interesting, because I wanted to talk about, and we're going we're to talk more next week, um, about what it means, the promise of the Father and, and f- the birth of the church and what it means for the body of Christ when the promise of the Father comes, what that releases into the body and through the body. But one of the things that I just want us to consider is When I'm waiting for the promise of the Father, what is it that I'm waiting for personally? And again, I want to clarify this. That was not an individual experience for any of them in the sense that they corporately waited and they corporately received. And so next week, we're going to spend some time getting a hold of that, the corporate anointing of the Holy Spirit on the church, on this church, on the church down the street, that we can have an expectation of the Holy Spirit living and breathing through the body of Christ. And we'll, we'll talk more about that, what that looks like, what I believe the expression of that looks like for us as a body, how we step into that, what the evidence of that is. We have a core value that says the evidence of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, The work of the Holy Spirit needs to be evident in the atmosphere of this house. What does that look like? But I want to talk about, just just before we close here, what is the evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in you as a person? What does it mean for you to be filled? What can you expect when we say the promise of the Father, and this is what was being touched on as we concluded worship today. We didn't really conclude worship, did we? Let's not conclude worship. Ooh, that felt gross coming out of my mouth. (laughs) We're just starting to worship as we go out these doors. Amen? But as we came to the end of the singing part of our worship, um, the Lord began to speak to us about the promise of the Father and the heart of the Father. And this is an opportunity for us to go, do I trust the Father? Do I trust that he's a giver of good gifts? Do I trust that, that I can expect good things from him? And so what we can expect when we receive the fullness being filled with the Holy Spirit, it talks all about it throughout Scripture, all of these different things that that means for us. In fact, we need to recognize that Pentecost is not, was not first a Christian gathering. Pentecost was a Jewish feast, and it was a Jewish feast that was, it wasn't called Pentecost in Hebrew, that's a Greek word that means um, 50 days, because it's roughly 50 days after Passover, and so, but the the Hebrew name for it, I always wish I spoke Hebrew, anyway, it's Shavuot. Shavuot. And it's the Feast of Weeks, because it's seven weeks after the Passover. And I just want to talk really briefly about that, that it had to do with, you know what's so cool? These feasts all point to a promise of the Father. (laughs) So this feast originally started to celebrate the first fruits of being in the land. Do you know that if you're not in the land, you can't plant and grow things? That's why God had to feed them with manna and quail because and, you're not there long enough. It's kind of like a Minnesota growing cycle. It's hard to plant and grow things, isn't it? Thank you, Lord, for summer. But the first fruits of being in the land, so they were instructed to take some of their first harvest of wheat and place it in baskets and take it to the tabernacle or later the temple and turn it over to the priest as an act of worship and gratitude to God for the land that he had given them. It was more than just bringing the first crops to present to God. It was a time to remember how Israel arrived in the land, that it wasn't something to be taken for granted. It was meant to remember that the land was a gift from the Lord, and it was an opportunity to rejoice and enjoy the fruit of the land. So... That was initially the feast during that time, was celebrating that God had brought us into the land. The other piece of it, it began because it, it became they became aware that that feast fell on the same time that the law was given. They began to incorporate into that feast a celebration of the giving of the law, so What I want to say is that the promise of the Father as it relates to that feast was the promise of the Father regarding the land and regarding the law. And that we entered into the fullness of that promise. We know that them entering into the physical land wasn't the fullness of the promise. It was part of the picture of the promise. Although I want to say I do believe that the land really does represent the favor of God for that people. But there's a fullness of the promise that had to do with entering into his rest, entering into the place of of where he would be their God, where he would reside with them and dwell with them. That's the Holy Spirit that we get to fully partake in, this promise of being in the land. The other piece of it was the promise of the Father regarding the law, that God had given them the law But what was poured out on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came was that the law was no longer written on tablets, but that now it became written on their hearts. In Jeremiah 31-33, this is a prophetic word about the promise of the Father regarding the law. But this is the covenant which I make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their heart. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So when we receive the promise of the Father through the Holy Spirit, we receive being able to enter fully into the rest, the land, the promised land that God's given us, and we get to enter into this promise which says, no longer are you going to try to dictate your, your life and your behavior by this outside law, but now it's going to be written on the inside of you. Now it gets to come from that place, the Holy Spirit within you, a law of love that we get to walk in. And so when we say, what am I receiving when I receive the promise of the Father? One of the things is that I no longer have to be directed from the outside in. I now can be directed from the inside out. This is the receiving of the Holy Spirit. This is the place we sometimes don't take the full measure of the promise of the Father because we still kind of think we can do the list. We still kind of think we can be directed from the outside in. Meanwhile, the easy button standing right next to us, going, Hey, if you let me in, I will direct you from the inside out. This was part of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Another part of the promise that Jesus talked about was that he would send him as the comforter, that he would reflect the heart of the comforter, that he would come alongside us and and be with us, and we would never be alone, that he would send him as the teacher, that he would remind us of all that Jesus said, in essence, allowing us to continue to be a disciple, The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to be a disciple of Jesus by coming and being the teacher and continuing to lead us in the way of Jesus. That the Holy Spirit would come as the spirit of truth, that he would guide us into all truth, it says in John 16. That the Holy Spirit would come as the helper. I love all of these words, actually, comforter, counselor, helper, They're all fit within the word for the Holy Spirit, paraclete. Another way to say paraclete is the one that comes alongside. This is what we have available to us. This is why we're not waiting like they were waiting. We're waiting, they were waiting like this for seven to 10 days, somewhere in there. We're waiting like this. Oh, hey, I'm so glad you're here. That's our waiting. And so we want to allow ourselves the fullness of the promise of the Father by acknowledging how available His Spirit is to us. Now part of the issue, again, is not His availability. It's, do I have space for Him? Do I have space to let Him be the teacher, or am I being taught by other things? Have I made space for him to be the comforter, or have I found my own places of comfort? You know, basically that's what addiction is. I will comfort myself. Have I made space for him to be the spirit of truth, or have I just kind of sought truth everywhere else? in this podcast and that podcast and this person and that person have i made space for him to come as the helper or have i do i have a pride that says i don't need a helper i want to do something great for god it starts with the promise of the father and letting letting the holy spirit be the helper Do I have space for him to come and be the wisdom and revelation of my life? Or am I wise in my own eyes? And have I stopped looking for revelation? This is another place where when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can expect wisdom and revelation to come. And revelation comes a lot of different ways. Revelation sometimes comes as a picture And we begin to see something of God revealed through that. Revelation sometimes comes through the different gifts of the Spirit, like word of knowledge or uh, prophecy. Revelation comes through the Scripture. That's one of the main ways that the Holy Spirit likes to work, is he likes to make this alive to us. He's breathing off of it. He breathed into it. He breathes off of it, and he reveals himself, and he reveals Jesus, and he reveals the Father. Have I made space for him to come and be the power in my life, or do I just try to do things by my own strength? So what we're saying, as we say we want to be filled... It's again, it's not so much that we are waiting like they were waiting. We're making space again for him. Maybe that will take seven or ten days. I don't know. Depends how, how crowded it is in there. But there, there is a, a place of surrender to say, okay, I'll become empty of those things so that the Holy Spirit can fill me. I'll become empty of all the things that I thought there was promise in to receive the promise of the Father. That's going to be our response to him as we're filled as individuals. The Spirit, when we're filled with the Spirit, it seals the adoption and that place of belonging to the Father. The Word tells us that it's the Spirit that bears witness on the inside of us that we truly are children of God. And if we're children, then we are heirs, heirs with Christ. That's a revelation that no amount of me telling you what belongs to you, no amount of me saying that will change until on the inside the Holy Spirit reveals I am a child of God. That is not a trite saying. (laughs) That is a a revelation and a reality that came with the promise of the Father through the Holy Spirit. And we want to receive the fullness of that because of everything that means. I love that that the Holy Spirit gave us access to everything the Father has always wanted to give us. How many of you dads... Have ever had a gift for your kid that you know they really, really wanted? And it's like you can barely hold back, like their birthday isn't for a week and a half. And you can just barely hold back because you know they're just going to love it. Maybe you gave it early even, I don't know. But it's like that. It's like the Father, this is not a... Please just give us a little something. This is the Father's heart. This is everything he's ever wanted to give us. Came through the Holy Spirit. The the revelation of everything he's wanted to give us. He's not holding back. So here's my encouragement. In Luke 10... I know you guys thought I shut my Bible. You were like, all right. Yay. I got one more. In Luke, not 10. I don't remember. I have to look at it. I wish I had written it down. It's Luke 11. In Luke 11, we have the verse that talks about ask, seek, knock and it talks about the guy who goes to the door. Jesus is telling the story. Suppose there's a guy, and he goes to the door at midnight and says, give me some bread, and the guy says, go away. And Anyway, you have get the gist of it. And eventually, because he persisted, he opens up and he gives him some bread. And so then Jesus starts to talk about So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. This is one of those verses that we conveniently lift out of Scripture and apply to all the things. We just kind of apply it to all the things. Ask, and that boat will be given to you. (laughs) But what he's actually talking about here is the promise of the Father, the most precious thing we could ask for. For everyone who asks, receive. Ask for what? For everyone who seeks, finds. Finds what? And to him who knocks, it'll be open. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he's asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? How many of you don't get the connection between an egg and a scorpion? I don't get the connection. But anyway... If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is what that ask-seek-knock verse is talking about. Now, what's amazing is that the Holy Spirit comes with a whole bunch of other things. But our pursuit, our posture, as we look at and, and seek the promise of the Father is that we want to continue to ask, continue to seek, continue to knock with expectation that he is a good father and he will give us the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Why don't you stand? (coughs) And stretch. Make room. (sighs) Hmm. So, Father, we thank you for your generosity in pouring out the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would stir in us an expectation for more, that you would stir in us an expectation that we would no longer look at it as we are somehow separated from the fullness of the Holy Spirit, but that you would help us to see where we need to make space so that we can truly be filled. Holy Spirit, we thank you for revealing the goodness of the Father to us, that everything that you bring to us comes because of the goodness of the Father, because of the love of the Father, because it's everything that he's always wanted us to be able to have. We thank you that he withholds nothing. I just feel like there's some who have felt a bit like prodigals that you have even tasted of the Holy Spirit. You've tasted of the goodness of the Father. And you've kind of taken it on the road <laughs> and gone, okay, good, I got it from here. And I just feel like there's an invitation to return to the Father with full expectation that he wants to give you good gifts, not a second-rate, I'll just come and be a servant in your house. I just, I just feel like there's a drawing of the Father that wants to meet you on the road and give you again out of his riches of the Holy Spirit. So God, we just ask that you would draw us to you, that we wouldn't hesitate to come and have expectation for the goodness of the Father through the Holy Spirit. We pray even that you would uh, heal places, father wounding that causes us not to be able to trust so that we can fully open our hearts to what you want to give us. We pray that you would help us in this posture of making our hearts an upper room, a place of receiving and filling of the Holy Spirit. We pray you'd help us make our homes an upper room. Hmm. I just pray a blessing over fathers, biological fathers, stepfathers, adoptive fathers, spiritual fathers, future fathers. all the father hearts in the room, I pray just an anointing and a blessing on them to give the Holy Spirit to their kids, to introduce them to Holy Spirit. Your word says that who wouldn't give this good gift to their kids? We just say this is a good gift to give our kids, Amen. to give those that, that are, we're raising up, to give those that we're mentoring, To give those that were discipling. So I just pray an anointing on fathers, both to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, but to know how to give out of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, how to introduce people to the Holy Spirit. Because that's the, the best gift of the Father. Just pray a special anointing for dads both to discover. And then to be able to bring that to their families. Make our homes an upper room. Make this place, this body, this building an upper room. We eagerly wait for the fullness of the promise of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.